0: No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I am Carlos at Equity Bruin, the Justin Timberlake of the No Truck Stops podcast. <laughs> Joining me, the Joey
1: Fatone, Greg Abinanamore. I am too young to know what that means. I know who Joey Fatone is after some Googling, uh, but I don't know what it means in the context of a podcast, so that's fun. <laughs> and Avery at Brave Grapes.
2: Who am I? yeah who would you be nsync am i i don't know the members of
0: nsync you don't know yeah yeah that's a little uh lance there's lance bass um and i think those are the three then there's a few others i guess uh jc uh i guess was one of them chris kirkpatrick never heard of him the only three i actually know are justin timberlake joy fatone and lance bass Lance Joey Bass. Fatone is like the random rando there. Everyone thinks is the worst one, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, it was a fun fun day on Twitter that day. I uh, I'm back from back. Uh, Japan here uh over the past week and a half i'm finally back i'm ready to join you uh join you all in talking about pac-12 basketball we got a fun episode of basketball ready for you we'll talk about all the games over the past week including arizona michigan state ucla gonzaga uh utah st mary's all of that but first subscribe to our youtube channel like the video comment away with your thoughts in the youtube chat follow us and tweet us at no truck stops pod on twitter send in your questions and rants and of course podcast listeners follow the show on apple and spotify wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review been bare on the five-star reviews for whatever reason get a ton of people listening but not not no five-star reviews people are boycotting um even we're not even getting review bombed anymore uh we should get get, do something controversial to get review why are people boycotting us (laughs) don't know i have no idea uh as always we also have content on patreon at drugsharkstops.com greg and avery and matt are gonna do a deep dive preview of the uw oregon game for the pac-12 title game that's gonna be a lot of fun we'll continue to have weekly football episodes though after that on patreon after the season ends so go check that out and you can all get all that for five dollars so glad to be here all right let's stop doing housekeeping let's talk about pac-12 who started with a recent big win for the pac-12 that's right baby we're starting with utah basketball utah traveled to the east bay to play st mary's and walked away a victor 78 71 in moraga in a true road game this was technically an upset. St. Mary's was favored by four and a half, but Utah looked like the bullies in this one attacking early and often and using its size and power to, to bully St. Mary's a West conference power and them in and of themselves. Greg, you were locked in for this one. What stuck out to you about Utah?
1: Utah, I think is going to be a team that is very good at beating teams who aren't that athletic and who don't defend all that well, because, um, What I saw in this game was Utah was able to use their size in a way that they hadn't been in the two previous losses. Uh, They were able to do a lot that they hadn't been able to do in the previous ones. And, of course, the shooting from Utah, which has been good all year, was good again in this game. I'm getting to the point where I think we can just count on that being something that Utah can do for the entire season. The shooting is great. Uh, The main thing to be encouraged by if you're a Utah fan from watching this game is Brandon Carlson was pretty quiet. Uh, he started the game three for three, six points and had one point for the rest of the game. And it didn't matter. Utah one by seven. Utah looked like you said, like the bullies, uh, because Raleigh Wooster had a fantastic game, 17 and eight and Gabe Madsen also had 17 points. Uh, it was just, it was nice to watch a game where it felt like Utah was in control over a team that, most people thought was going to be good before the year. Are they actually that good? I don't know. They're three and four right now. Uh, I think they might. The metrics li- might like them a little bit too much based on preseason data, but I don't know. I, I think this is an impressive win for Utah. This has me feeling a little better about them after the Saint John's loss. <sighs> there's just there's so many there's so many questions I still have because. <laughs> When this team has played the athletic teams that they played, which is basically just mm-hmm. Houston and St. John's, they have looked bullied. They've have, they've have not looked like the bigger team, despite being the second biggest team in the conference. I mean, not in the conference, in the country. Uh, and that worries me going forward when you get to conference play and you're going to play some athletic teams. At the same time, Cabo did not play those games, and I thought he was phenomenal in the 15 minutes he played against St. Mary's. He is a defensive... He's so good defensively. He is... The best defender Utah has, and despite having like six inches lost between him and Brandon Carlson and Lawson Lovering, it feels like he is a better defender than both of them. I wish, I wish I could combine his defensive game with Lawson Lovering's offensive game. That would be an incredible player. Unfortunately, to have one on the floor, you're going to lose <laughs> out on what the other one does well. But if Kate is in that game, in those games, maybe Utah wins them, and that's what makes me feel okay, maybe this actually is a great team. Maybe this actually is a real tournament team. But I'm still a little skeptical given the limitations that St. Mary's kind of has versus the teams that Utah struggled with so far. Yeah,
0: St. Mary's, by the way, just to give some context, they are... uh, I think they're now 67th in Ken Palm. They are, to your point, Greg, 3-4. and They have... uh, They lost to Utah, obviously. Beat Davidson, uh, an okay Davidson team for the metrics. Uh, at home and then lost three straight to weaver state san diego state and xavier Uh, and by the score didn't look very competitive in much of those games so maybe not like the true test that we thought that game might be to start the season i mean saint Mary's certainly has some dudes like i really like aiden mahaney like he is an electric player Outside of that, it doesn't seem like they have much else going on for them. So I have to contextualize that there. I will say, though, I got I got a question for you, Greg, because I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, looking at the box score, sort of looking through some highlights. Uh, One of the things that was apparent to me is that they were pounding St. Mary's on the interior. Is that true? Because they had 31 free throw attempts to St. Mary's 18. That's a lot. 23 of their 78 points came from the free throw line. What was the what was the issue? What was going on there?
1: Well, it's exactly like you said in the preview. Uh, they were bullying St. Mary's. You know, St. Mary's could not physically hang with Utah. Uh, Utah finally used the size like you should when you are that big of a team, and St. Mary's had no choice but to foul. Is what it felt like. You know, you get Brandon Carlson down low. Uh, you got to foul him which should not really be the case because of his slight frame, but it kind of felt like that was what St. Mary's was trying to do at times, lost in Lovering. And then Raleigh Wooster does such a good job this season of getting to the rim and generating shots. Uh, I I'm, man, I'm getting excited the more I talk about <laughs> <laughs> the team. They could be really good. They could be really good. They just have a few weaknesses that worries me. Yeah,
0: uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see that the shooting seems like it's coming to fruition. Uh, Cole Bajama, a nice shooting night, two for four from three. Raleigh Wooster himself, two for four. Gabe Mattson, two for five. Like, if you've got three of the, those three dudes shooting, uh, you know, four or five threes a game and hitting at a 40, 50% clip, uh, it's it's pretty dangerous. Um, so, I'm really curious to see what they do. It doesn't seem like they have much depth, you know? I mean, they do and they don't. Ben Carlson, Kaviketa, good, productive players after that. Hunter Erickson, Luke Tarlack. I'm not sure how much you're getting out of those guys. So, kind of a tight rotation in this one, but good for good for Utah. And the we depth. Go, We're we going, Greg.
1: The depth with these, this team could be getting better. Uh, Will Exact is hurt right now. Has been uh, hurt. That's right. We don't know exactly what's going on there. Apparently, he got hurt. Was exactly. almost back. Exactly.
2: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: apparently, he's picked up a second injury. Uh, Craig Smith says they don't really know when he's going to be back which is concerning, Uh, and then Davon Smith, who is a transfer point guard. uh, Yeah, what's his eligibility situation here? Exactly. They don't have a waiver yet. They say they think they're going to get one soon, but they don't know. If he plays, I think it'll make a massive difference because right now they're trying to have Hunter Erickson be the backup point guard, and I don't think that is—it doesn't really work. That's not what he is. He's more of a shooting guard. Uh, He's not the facilitator that Raleigh Wooster is. And I think Dave, Davon Smith is going to be able to provide that as well as some real athleticism. I think he will immediately be the most athletic player on the team, which will help a lot because Utah doesn't really have that on the perimeter right now. Gabe, madden Gabe Madsen is electric, but defensively, I don't think he's providing the, uh, the quickness that I'd like, you know, he's not great. I think Davon Smith is going to be much better in yeah. that spot, uh, defensively and it'll help with the depth like you said that way foul trouble won't be as big of an issue as it could potentially be speaking of foul trouble this is a tangent Lawson Lovering picked up two fouls immediately like within a minute (laughs) it felt like he had two fouls yeah and he basically like the rest of the game while playing through foul trouble he was great he did such a good job of not forcing uh Craig Smith to take him out of the game Uh, he only played 16 minutes looking at it now and he finished with four fouls, but watching the game, I felt like pretty impressed with the way he wasn't getting baited into doing stupid contests and getting fouls or getting stupid blocks, trying to draw draw charges. Uh, I've been impressed with Lawson Ruthering. I think he's improved a lot from like the first few games of the season where I was not impressed with him to the point where I am very happy to have him starting. And I think he's an asset for Utah rather than a liability in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, lots of size on that lineup. You got Lawson Lovering at 7-1, Brandon Carlson at 7 foot. You're like wondering how they're going to use that, but uh seems like Lawson Lovering's starting to fit in. Craig Smith's trying to fi- try- starting to figure out how to incorporate those two. Uh fun stat here. Utah Hoops is 38th in Kempom right now, which is great for them. That's their highest Kempom rating since 2017 when they peaked at 30- 34. That's crazy. Um more importantly though, Utah Hoops is 38th in Ken Palm. Utah Football is 36th in SP+. Uh, any guesses as to the last time, hopefully y'all didn't read the show notes, the last time Utah Hoops finished higher in Ken Palm than Utah Football did in SP+. When they went the to the Sweet season. 16, right? I read the show notes. Okay. What year, year was that? Uh, okay. year that was, 2015, what, 20, I think, is when they went to the Sweet 15, 16. Yeah. Uh, 2016, actually. 2016. Uh, um that was the last time that Utah hoops finished higher in Ken Palm than Utah football did in SP Plus. Uh, Utah football that year finished 35th in SP Plus. Uh, back then it was S P and and Utah hoops finished 33rd in Ken Palm. Uh, right now Utah is 36th in SP Plus. They got a bowl game to go, and as we discussed, Utah is 38th in Ken Palm. So kind of interesting. I don't know. Fun little fun little storyline. Is Utah basketball better than Utah football this year? It'll be be kind of be kind of fun. Nice nice uh, reversal of fortunes here. Uh, all right, let's move on to talk about some other big results here, starting with USC. They went 1-1 one one over the past week. They beat a, a pretty okay Seton Hall team last Thursday on Thanksgiving, but then followed it up that up with a crushing loss to Oklahoma the next day. Oklahoma, actually a pretty good team. They're 22nd in Ken Palm, so are perhaps not too disappointing of a loss, but this, U- this USC team, I think, has higher aspirations than just playing the number 22 Ken Palm team tough. Maybe I'm wrong uh, about you know thinking about usc maybe might be disappointing but are you worried about usc yet greg you were the, you were really high on them after they kind of lost a, a dumb
1: game to uc irvine you, are you worried about him you feeling all right about him feel like this is fine i have grown worried um like you okay. said this oklahoma team is good and porter moser is a good coach you know he did a great job with loyola chicago when utah was doing their coaching search he was my dream hire uh he's a lot yeah. of people's dream hire so it was I like I, I think it's a fine team to lose to, but like you said, I also think USC has higher aspirations this year and it's the way they lost this game where it just was very clear, okay, Oklahoma is a much better coach team, even though USC has much better players and I was hoping that Andy Enfield would be a little better like I wasn't expecting greatness from him I wasn't expecting him <laughs> to just scheme up wins, kind of. You know, I wasn't expecting him to make the sum of the uh the players greater than the sum of their parts, but I do think he is kind of making them less than the sum of their parts. And I was kind of, I was hoping for even. You know, I was hoping for, for yeah. him to be adding nothing, subtracting nothing, and I kind of think he's subtracting something because it's just so uninspiring to watch USC so much of the time. And I, yeah. I, I hoped it would be better than this. Maybe this changes if they get Bronny James. Maybe this changes. But uh, I'm going to be tabling my USC excitement for now because uh, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed uh, after how this went. Like, it just felt like a lot of guys trying to create for themselves. Isaiah Collier is unfortunately not good enough to have the load that he's had so far this year. Like, he's great, but he's also a freshman and he makes freshman mistakes. I don't know how many turnovers he had in this game specifically. Uh, I don't think it was as many as he's had in the past, but over the course of the season, there have been a lot of turnovers.
2: He had six, six. Yeah, that's, oh, that's wow. a lot. Okay, so yeah. it, that's
1: basically that's on par for how much he's been doing yeah. in most games. It's like he has moments of greatness, but also these turnovers. And I think it's on the coach to not put that load on him, not put this freshman in a position where he'll have six turnovers. uh So yeah, I'm I'm worried about USC. It really feels
0: like the the offense is pure relying on isaiah collier to create stuff for himself and other and other uh, his teammates and to put that on an 18 year old is is tough um it's that's a lot that he's being asked to do and frankly it doesn't look like he's getting much help from his coach schematically uh, he's certainly getting help from his players. I think Boogie Ellis has been totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's been a great scorer as he has been the past couple of years and and especially last year. But Isaiah Collar is being asked to to carry a hell of a load. You're right, Greg. I think that is absolutely fair. Um, he has had – I'm just pulling this up here uh, – over over – I mean – this has just been his season so far. They've only played seven games. He had six turnovers against Oklahoma, five turnovers against Satan Hall, four turnovers, seven turnovers, four turnovers, six turnovers. Now he has a high usage rate. Like his his usage rate is um, extremely high, and so the turnover rate is a little bit lower, but it's not. Um, it's not. It's still not where you would want it to be for your starting point guard. And again, that's just because. <laughs> He's being asked to do a lot right now. Um, It really does feel like the offense revolves around Isaiah Collier. And while I totally get that as, you know, the most talented player on this team, and he's certainly capable of scoring in bunches and creating for other people, I'm not sure that it's translating well right now for USC. USC, in each of their seven games this season, this is, um, you know, one of the (laughs) watching Mick Cronin pressers for like four years now. Uh, the thing that Mick Cronin always talks about is uh, getting offensive rebounds and getting turnovers and limiting turnovers and increasing but thereby increasing the number of shots you take in each of the past seven games USC has either been out rebounded on the offensive glass or they have turned over the ball more than their opponent or both Um, and that's that's bad. <laughs> that that should not be, um, that, that, you can't win games sustainably like that. I think that's the thing that has made me wonder about USC being a sustainable winner is that they don't take care of the ball and they're not a good rebounding team for all the size that they have with Joshua Morgan, with uh, Vince Wichuku coming off the bench, with the length that they have, with like Kobe Johnson, all, like they are nowhere near as good of a rebounding team as they should be. Um, it's, it's kind of it's kind of rough they're getting you are getting outworked on the glass especially against lesser teams and it's starting to, it's starting to bite them in the ass um, against Oklahoma in particular thinking about all of the different ways that they sort of turned over the ball and gave up extra shots to them it looks like it was what is this 60 they took uh, Oklahoma took 60 shots USC took 56 57 um, so three extra shots in the point differential was two points in that one so uh yeah USC has some shit to figure out I who knows if they're gonna figure it out I've never trusted Andy Anfield like that uh to be able to figure it out so we'll see um that was a tough game for them to lose to Oklahoma and, and again they have higher aspirations who knows they get they may need some time to gel it may just take some time for Isaiah Collier this has been a fantastic start for him he's still a true freshman it's only a seventh game may just take some time but right now they look you know they they look they, they don't look as promised and as advertised they don't look like the best team and the most talented team in the pac-12 Um uh, any other thoughts about usc here
2: fuck usc
0: <laughs> poignant as always um yeah no i mean I, I i think this usc team is uh annoying as hell uh our, our yeah. homie our homie emily was uh talking about how how USC is just an absurdly annoying team. I'm not quite sure what she meant by that, but like it's just that they're so goddamn talented and so undisciplined mm-hmm. that they can get away with a lot of stuff. Uh just because they have Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis, Kobe Johnson, DJ Rodman, Joshua Morgan, Vince Uchuku, all fantastic players. Um and you know, they can get away with having a negative turnover def- differential. They can get away with being out-rebounded on the offensive glass. So Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, All right, let's move on. Talk quickly about another big game. What in the Pac-12 that happened? And what felt like 10 years ago, honestly. Uh, but it was just last week during Feast Week. I can't believe I missed Feast Week. I'm never going on vacation during Feast Week again. I fucking love Feast Week now. Uh, um, Arizona beat the now 19th ranked team in Ken Palm, uh, Michigan State. 74-68 in Palm Springs. The Cats jumped out to a big early lead. But the Spartans battled back to make this one close late. Uh, five different Arizona plays, er, players scored in double figures. That's kind of turning out to be a bit of a trend here. Feel like this is it's a pretty frequent occurrence, but Greg, did you get to watch much of this one? And if so, what did you think of Arizona?
1: Arizona, they 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 want me to believe, man. They they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really do. They, they keep they keep pulling me back in. As I said, that I wouldn't no matter what before March. And let let me explain why I'm kind of starting to believe with them again. Uh, to start, Keyshawn Johnson, man. He is Oh my god. He is Game a player. Changer. He is so fun. I love him. In terms of the all Greg team, which I continue to put together <laughs> and I will have finalized by uh by uh, Pac twelve play. Keyshaw Johnson is, is he is making a very strong case to be a starter on that team with the way that he just does everything and he does it so well. Uh Arizona's n- Oh, man, it's hard to think about how much worse Arizona would be without him. Uh, yeah. Great pickup for Tommy Lloyd in the portal. He he just... Every time I'm worried about Arizona getting punched in the face and not responding, he galvanizes them. He gets this really tough rebound that it feels like he shouldn't have been able to do, but the ball, like, sticks to his hand as he goes up for it, and he muscles a guy, like, out-muscles a guy for it. Uh, he's, he's really good, and... He defensively he's great offensively he had a great game uh, i think he missed like one shot and pff, i don't know he he just makes everything different for this for this arizona team because in the past we've talked about how the physicality really is hard for them how they they will go into a game and a team will punch them in the face they won't know how to respond he changes that. It felt like this this Arizona team, they got out to a big lead, you know, very beginning of this game. They were up 34-19, to 19, I think, was their biggest lead in the first half. And then Michigan State stormed back. Eventually, they took a lead with, like, four minutes left, and Arizona didn't fold, you know? I feel like the Arizona team of last year folds in that spot. This one did not fold. They kept fighting and it looked like they just wanted it more than Michigan State. And this is not analytical at all, but that matters to me given the way we've seen Arizona <laughs> fold in the past, you know? Like I don't I'm not worried at this point about an Arizona team getting into a tough spot and just sort of quitting. Not quite as worried about it because they just look like they want it so bad. And Kylan Boswell, man, is so, much better, so <laughs> much better than Kirk He's so much better than Kirk Uh He's pretty small. I feel like you know he's he's listed at 6'2". I don't think he's that tall. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's just so skilled. The way he he can create his own shot. He can create for others. I love him as a player. Caleb Love. Man, he led them in minutes in this game, I think. He had thirty seven, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's he has not done great as a scorer, I don't think, for most of the time. But in this in this game, in the second half especially, there was a point where it felt like he was the only guy going for the basket. You know, when things got hard for them, he picked up the slack offensively while Keyshaw Johnson did a lot of the work defensively and he kept them in games. He got a few really timely layups or Fouls that he drew, and it's just so nice to have a player like that, such a spark plug. Like I'm, I'm falling in love with this Arizona team, <laughs> despite everything I said about not doing that. <laughs> I love them. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're they're as a as a UCLA fan myself, they are starting to scare me a little bit. The the keisha jansen Keyshia Johnson is um is I think the most important player for Arizona in quite some time the one thing we have said about the two Tommy Lloyd Arizona teams is that they have a tendency to get soft physically, mentally, primarily physically. And that was especially true last season. And it was pretty true the season before the Christian Coloco, Ben Matherin year. Um, and I think he Johnson just might be the most physical toughest player they have had in the Tommy Lloyd era. He single-handedly Changes their complexion from a team that's sort of a Ferrari finesse sort of team into a physical bruising one him by himself, it feels like. Um, the way he crashes the boards, uh, his activity on the glass is incredible. You mentioned that. Uh his defense is is fantastic. He's a fantastic, aggressive, active defender one of the best in the Pac-12 i think um he's he'll be he'll have he'll he's making a name for himself as a as a potential defensive player of the year candidate i think in this game he had two blocks and four steals uh that's crazy that's nuts um for an Ari, for an Arizona team to have that and a big dude who's like you know who can play actually play power forward and actually can stretch out a little bit he's not a great three point shoot, point shooter but he's a totally serviceable one They haven't had that um, in the sort of two-big lineup that Tommy Lloyd has been playing with for a while. He's their most important important player. I mean, I think Kylan Boswell makes that team go, but it feels like Keyshawn Johnson just gives them an edge and an element that they haven't had over the past few years, um, especially under the Tommy Lloyd era. Um, So you're right, Greg, to call him out. I think he's an incredible player. I think he's going to make some real waves. He's going to be a problem. I'm really curious to see how other teams in the Pac-12 deal with that physicality because he's going to bring it um kylan boswell had an amazing first half and then completely disappeared in the second half come just went cold <laughs> I, I don't know what his shooting splits were in the second half but he was basically a, he was, might as well have been kirk out there. <laughs> not as bad not as bad not as bad um shout out kirk creesa man kirk creesa is never gonna live his time in arizona down um but he himself is also a great defender too. Like even though he wasn't doing anything offensively, I think you can trust Kylan Boswell's defensive activity to like be there and show up. Right. I, I think that's true. And I, and honestly, I think that's true for Caleb love too. Caleb mm-hmm. love a surprisingly good defender. Like that backcourt is, is really, really good. Um, so yeah I, I think the one thing that i'm that i'm wondering about i worry about with this arizona team is their depth i really like jaden bradley and kj lewis coming off the bench i think those are totally good players um I, I think they are completely serviceable but after that uh after that is where things start to get dicey they're basically running an eight, eight man rotation now here in late november um Mote Moteas, uh crevas
2: is that how you say his first name
0: yeah, motius Crevis. Motias. Okay. Yeah, Motias. Yes. If I got that right. Um, OTAS you know, totally fine, totally serviceable. I'm not sure how long you can sort of lean on him uh in these moments. I think he he was really good in in the minutes in the spot minutes that he pro- provided. I'm not sure how sustainable if you know, you can get get 20 minutes out of him give uh keisha jansen and uh umar Balo a bit of a bit more of a blow though they only played 30 and 26 minutes which is totally reasonable i worry about their depth, though uh i do worry about their depth um and what happens to one of these players when they're banged up or can't go for a game or, or something like that i'd be curious so going with a, a short rotation early we'll see how that pays off for tommy lloyd did it somewhere in the middle of last year doing it pretty early this year we'll find out
1: any other uh any other thoughts about arizona they're the best team in the conference, and I don't think it's close. I think that is. Yeah. I think that is. I think that's true
0: right now. Yes. Um. So we'll see. We'll talk a little bit more about our top four, but Arizona looks uh, looks pretty scary. All right, let's take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the slate, rapid fire, and rank the four best teams in the Pac-12. Don't you dare go anywhere, Pac-12 sickos! I finally got my UCLA bomber jacket from Homefield Apparel and. This shit is so slick, totally worth the wait, it is absolutely gorgeous, it's hefty, it's perfect, uh, especially for the uh, winter months that are coming up. This jacket is super well made, super comfy, I will absolutely be wearing this to any and every UCLA basketball game I go to. And maybe some other non-UCLA games too think that would be kind of funny uh, Homefield has bomber jackets for dozens of other schools if you're not a UCLA fan including several Pac-12 schools like Arizona State, Colorado, USC Washington State Uh, And several others, but you might want to nab one quick because they do seem to be selling out fairly quickly. Arizona and Washington, for example, have had their bomber jackets sell out already. So go check it out at homefieldaboutapparel.com. My only other note is that you might want to buy these in a size larger than you normally do. They do run pretty small, so try getting one in a size size larger than you normally do. Even if you get one that doesn't quite fit, though, home field has been super accommodating when it comes to exchanges. I got a bomber jacket in my normal size, and it was a little too small, and the home field team hooked me up with a quick and easy exchange just like that. Uh, it was fantastic experience anyway these jackets own get yourself or someone you love one of these i am certain they won't regret it thank you to home fields for creating these beautiful pack 12 bomber jackets and for sponsoring this podcast all right we are back let's talk a little bit about the top of the pack 12 and do some level setting Cause we now have a good chunk of games under our belt here to get a sense of what these teams are. And what I thought we could do is talk a little bit about who we think is in the top four of the PAC 12 right now. There's an obvious number one, Greg, you said it right before we went to the ad break. That's Arizona. I'm going to assume that's a lock for you all that they're the best team in the yeah. PAC 12. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear from you all. We, I mean, I think we all think they're number one. Who are the other three though, Greg, I want to start with you.
1: Who's who's in your top four in the league right now after Arizona. Well, this is a tough question because I think there is a very, very clean top five. Okay, Arizona, UCLA, USC, Colorado, Utah are a very clean top five for me. So long as Oregon is as injured as they are right now, you know, while they don't have their basically best two players in uh, in in Folly Dante and Nate Biddle, it is you just can't consider them as part of this top tier. But Those five teams are the best five. Narrowing it down from there, Arizona's in the tier by themselves. And then I think it's a little muddier after that, but I'd have the next tier as UCLA and USC. I don't know which order it's in. I think I'd put UCLA ahead right now just because they're so clearly better coached, you know? Uh Mick Cronin's so much better than Andy Enfield. It's it's not even <laughs> funny. But uh after that, I think Colorado and Utah are very close. I think I'd give the edge to Colorado for the fourth best team. Because as I mentioned with before, Utah has weaknesses that I think are harder to overcome than Colorado's. I think Utah's lack of athleticism will always be there. I think Colorado's issues that me and Reed talked about a lot last week. Um after that Florida State loss, I think Colorado's yeah. issues are one, like they're pretty surmountable. You know, I think those are ones that will, as they get through the season, they'll be better by the end of the season. I think they'll be able to fix those. And Tad Boyle, I think we all agree, is a great coach. So I expect him to fix those issues. And they have the best player, I think, in Tristan De Silva, although maybe Brandon Carlson's, he's been better so far this year. He's been better so far this year. So maybe that changes. But I think I have. Arizona than UCLA than USC than Colorado, which happens to be the exact order. Ken Palm has them, but I promise yeah. <laughs> I did not pick them just because Ken Palm has them in that order.
0: What about you, Avery? You feel like that's how you'd rank them? What, what would you do with these? I agree you with get to Greg the top four?
2: that there's a top five and. Okay. I disagree that Colorado should go above Utah. Mm. I think, fuck Colorado, first of all. I alone in keeping the Rumble and the Rockies, Colorado-Utah basketball rivalry alive. I fucking hate Colorado. I do not like Tad Boyle. He just gives me creepy, weird vibes that I can't back up with any evidence. But I'm sure something will come out in the next five years. And I can say <laughs> I told you so. No, I really like this Utah team. I agree with like the le- athleticism issue, but... I'm a homer, man. Nothing sucks me in quite like having fun watching Utah basketball. I just, I just have to, and it's just because I prefer Utah more. I, I just, it's out of hate. I do not like Colorado. I like Utah. <laughs> Utah's my fourth best team.
0: Yeah, that's that's valid. I mean, Colorado has some. Ah, uh, I, I, don't know what to think about Colorado after that Florida State game. The thing is, is that Ken Palm counts that as a neutral site game. That's that's one that you would call semi away. Um, because it was in Daytona Beach, Florida. Florida State, Tallahassee's not <laughs> yeah, that that's far ridiculous. from Dayton. So it's not an I don't think that was a true neutral site game. Um and Florida State's not bad. They're not great, but they're not bad. So, but still, right? It uh it was a bit of a a bit of a shock. Colorado's got I mean, in about thirty minutes here, Colorado's got a big a game here against colorado their rivals colorado state Kempom has them as a four-point dog um so a great opportunity for colorado to try to fix some of their perception issues after you know kind of a bumpy start to their um to their season i uh, man it's hard to call a team better coach than college so here's what i have arizona is obviously number one i think they have the best blend of talent and coaching um and experience i think those three things are the things i'm really thinking about talent experience coaching i don't think arizona is the most talented team in the conference i think that's honestly it's between usc and ucla i've been really impressed with ucla's talent but ucla is by far the least experienced if maybe the best coached um usc pretty rel- pretty experienced really talented not really well coached. So I'm, I'm giving obviously the edge to Arizona cause they have the best blend of all three of those things. It gets dicey after this. I think I am on UCLA number two. I think what they did against Gonzaga, uh, after what they did against Marquette and then the Chaminade game kind of swan- sandwiched in between those was sort of my revelation that, Oh, this team is ahead of schedule. And I heard you and Reed talk about that last week, Greg, about UCLA being ahead of schedule. That was before the Gonzaga game, before the Chaminade game. Um, they have since proven they're very ahead of schedule. I was sort of uh thinking that this the next few months of UCLA basketball until conference play and maybe even in halfway through conference play were going to be rough. That they were going to get blown out by some really good teams, that they were going to get their ass kicked. I think they kind of did get their ass kicked by Gonzaga, but they they hung they hung tough uh despite looking like clearly this the the worst team on the floor um it was not a fluky i don't think it was at all a fluky sort of game where they were lucky to be in it um it felt like they they battled uh, and and battled tough um and that was against the number five team in Palm and the number nine team in Palm. those two losses and they were tight they were very very tight They've got some things to learn from. They've got the, some uh, opportunities to grow. They've got some major turnover issues. They don't really know what they're doing on offense. yet. they're not really sure what they're doing on defense, but they are. They're trying hard and they're bought it. So I'm really curious to see how they progress. I'd put I put the number two, number three. I would put I would I would put USC outside the top four. Honestly, I put Colorado and I'd put Colorado and Utah ahead of them. I just think that it's not sustainable. Like. I don't think it's sustainable for USC to consistently turn over the ball and not rebound well and expect them to win a bunch of games. I just, I, I can't see that being a sustainable winning team. Utah, I think has bits and parts of it that do feel sustainable to me. They play really good defense. Um, their offense is much further ahead than I think we probably anticipated. Cole Bajima adding a real offensive identity to this team um, in addition to the experience that Brandon Carlson brings and Raleigh Wooster bring brings um, and that the rest of the cast brings gay Mattson. Um, I, I just think that they have the pieces that they may not, they, they, their margins may be smaller, but I trust Craig Smith to find those margins and to exploit them better than better than USC. Um, and We'll see what USC does when they have to play one of these better coach teams. I don't know. I'm always shocked when USC sort of puts together a good game. But I think I'd have Utah three, Colorado four, USC five. Um, if we're going top five, I have USC outside the top four. Colorado, talented, experienced, pretty well coached. Haven't quite put it together. We'll see how they progress. They've got a big game tonight. We'll find out. But that's what I. That's where I'd have them. Um, so. Anyway, you
1: seem surprised, Greg, that I was going with USC outside the top five. I am surprised because that talent is really nice, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I understand your reasoning. Here would be the reason that I think USC is a tier above Utah. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have them a tier above Colorado. But when I think about Utah playing each of these top four teams for me, uh, I see it going the other team's way you know i think utah Mm. loses to all these teams because of their thus far because the way they lost to houston and saint john's made me think they'll lose that way when they play teams with real talent arizona has real talent uh you know they may not be as talented as ucla or usc (sighs) they have real talent and they're so well coached you know utah will not have a coaching advantage i don't think when they go into that game ucla much more talented than Utah is, and they also will be very well coached. Now, that's one where I think Utah might actually be sneaky good because of the way UCLA is talented. You know, their talent, I think they're just such a skilled team. Like, I, ademara is not, he is not a highly touted prospect because of his incredible athleticism. It's because of his incredible playmaking, you know, uh, yeah. as a seven-footer. Now, Adembona very athletic, and that's going to cause problems for Utah, but uh, and I, I don't know that that one maybe will be as overwhelming for them as perhaps Arizona will be or, uh, or uh, USC, but I still think it'll be an issue because of the coaching at UCLA. At USC, I just think USC has too many athletes for Utah. I think USC is going to be able yeah. to outrun them for the most part. Maybe because of, like you said, USC has struggles rebounding the ball. UCLA also has some struggles rebounding the ball. Maybe that lets Utah assert themselves a little bit more than they were able to against St. John's and Houston, but I'm worried there. And then with Colorado, they also, I think, have guys that can do things Utah can't. I feel like Utah's offense, so much of it is generated from the scheme, you know? I don't yeah. know how many answers they have outside of that. You need Brandon Carlson to be on fire if you're Utah and the offense isn't working, and I just don't think you can count on that happening very often given the degree of difficulty can, of his shots. I don't
0: think you can count on that on a night-in, night-out basis, but we have seen before Brandon Carlson hit 30 points you know, off like 15, 20 shots. He can do it. Uh, it's, it's just it's, he it's, takes I, such hard shots. Yeah, he does, and... But I don't think Utah's offense relies on that nearly as much as it did over the past couple of years. It's so much
1: better than last year, but what I'm trying to say is like Utah's offense this year, and we saw it perfectly against Saint Mary's, is it's humming, it's working great, the move the ball movement is going great, the way the big slip to the rim opens up shooters or it opens up just an easy dunk. You know, it's it's gone great so far. When a team clamps up on that, yeah, does Utah have an answer? That's that's my question because I know the answer for Arizona. I know the answer for UCLA. It's been Sebastian Mack. Uh, yeah, and I know right. the answer for Colorado. It's KJ Simpson most of the time. Maybe it's Tristan De Silva. It was Cody Williams against Fro- Florida State. You know they have guys who I think can do that. And USC of course has Boogie Ellis. They have Isaiah Collier. I think they're fine in that situation. Too. That's most of the time for them, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Utah, I think they're the ones where if you Drag them down, you know, into a mud fight, their offense will have the hardest cope, hardest time coping. And that's why I'd put them at the bottom. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's valid. Well, we'll see how that shakes out. Any love
0: for, I don't know, any of these other teams? Maybe a, maybe a Washington, maybe a Washington
1: State. (laughs) A healthy Oregon, I think, is in that same tier.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the problem is with Oregon is that both Nafali Dante and Nate Biddle got knee surgery. So they're out for, a good amount of time Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a while before they hit the court again um maybe shell comes back soon but yeah i think shell said isn't he playing i thought he was playing i might have just totally missed that yeah i think he's playing now but um (laughs) you know man uh they oregon just has some has had some absurd injury luck over the past few years it's it's crazy um so yeah i mean being down to folly dante and nate biddle i think We'll hurt them maybe they'll be great though when you know when by the time pac-12 play rolls around they've got you know their timetable is about four weeks before they got checked in again so we'll we'll find out we'll see when they get reevaluated. um washington state washington no look for them I, not I feel yet. like
1: not yet mm-hmm. i, I want to see it a little bit more that xavier win is not as impressive as it looked at the time <laughs> for
0: washington right right uh yeah xavier is not a not a great team I am curious about Washington State, though. I I, I don't trust Washington because I don't trust Mike Hopkins, mm-hmm. and that team does not look well coached at all. Um, but I am I, I am curious about Washington State. Call me uh call me coo curious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, their one loss has been to a, a pretty good Mississippi State team. Uh, they were hanging in there for a good amount of it, kind of going blow for blow a little bit uh, until Mississippi State pulled away. But other than that, they've looked solid. They've taken care of teams they absolutely need to take care of, mostly covering spreads, I'm pretty sure. Haven't done the math, but pretty close. They won't really be tested until conference play when they play Utah in late December, so kind of an interesting matchup to watch for there. So I don't know. I'm keeping my eye on Washington State. The problem is they could win, 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 and we won't know. I feel like by the time conference play starts and they play Utah on Friday, December 29th, they could be what? Uh, they are three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They could be ten and one heading into that game, and we still won't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm but I'm keeping an eye. I'm keeping an eye on them uh, for our old buddy Bryce Hendricks, who's a a kook himself. Um, we'll see what happens. So, we'll, we'll we will find out. All right, that is it for our talking about the top four. Let's move on to talk about the rest of the slate. Rapid fire let's start with the washington schools uw took care of business against uc san diego after a tough loss to san diego state the week prior meanwhile wazoo went 2 and 0 over the past week taking care of business against grapes utah tech and eastern washington uw number 59 in Kimpom, wazoo right behind at number 60 an evenly matched pair here avery who do you like right now more uw or wazoo
2: You just said it, but I do not trust Mike Hopkins at all. Like I don't know if he can do anything to convince me he's actually a good coach. I like Kyle Smith a lot better. Um, (laughs) Washington State beat the shit. Beat the shit out of Utah Tech. And they also had a really good game against Eastern Washington where Miles Rice had an insane game. 28 points. He just went crazy. It was a really fun game to watch
0: miles rice has been awesome and you know again must we've said it before we'll say it again he is this first season back from fighting cancer and beating it so yeah. good for good for miles rice great to see him falling out greg you got a preference here between you and wazoo
1: i despite the major coaching discrepancy I think I'm going to go with the major talent discrepancy because I think UW's <laughs> roster is significantly better. Uh, I, I love yeah, so many of those is. players. But, <laughs> so I, I think I'd go with them just because there's a lot of players I love on that team. I think when they play each other, UW will just win a real ugly one because Keon Brooks can do things nobody on Wazoo can do. But if Wazoo finishes ahead, I won't be shocked at all.
0: Yeah, Mike Hopkins is truly a criminal man. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: Oregon suffered two brutal losses this past weekend, losing at Santa Clara 88-82 on Friday, November 24th. And they followed that the next day with a 99-91 loss to Alabama at Emerald Clo- Coast Classic. Obviously, as we said before, no Nunefali Dante and Nate Biddle in either games. Oregon now drops to number 51 in Kempom. Greg, are you, uh, are you are you holding out hope for Oregon? you feel like these are encouraging games without they're too big? you feel like... You know, they're discouraging. You're just not going to think about Oregon until they're healthy.
1: I think they're encouraging games. Santa Clara might be good. Yeah, I, Santa Clara's, yeah. <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> like, you know, and Alabama is good. So they didn't get blown out, and they looked like... The last few years, Oregon's been hurt a lot, and that has significantly limited them. They have also just looked like trash, you know? Yes. They had no point have I enjoyed watching them play. I've kind of liked what I've seen from Oregon so far this year. It's not been great, but I also don't think it is as bad as it was before. Which makes me think, once they're healthy, they're going to be a force. Will they get healthy? I don't know. And so I'm probably just not going to think a lot about Oregon until we get to that point. Because if they're not healthy, it's probably not worth having the conversation. Yeah. Uh,
0: A few other results here. Stanford had a hilarious week at the battle for Atlantis. They lost to arkansas in double overtime then lost to michigan in a very close game by five and rounded up their time in the battle for atlantis by getting its fucking teeth kicked in by northern iowa 73 51 avery thoughts on stanford
2: stanford <laughs> it's just stanford funny.
0: disease in basketball <laughs> means something completely different <laughs> <laughs> It's
2: so bad. I, it's entertainingly bad, though, honestly.
0: <laughs> Greg, thoughts on Stanford? You watched the Stanford-Arkansas game, if I, if I heard correctly.
1: The Stanford-Arkansas game was a ton of fun. I loved watching that game. At least I would have loved watching that game if I wasn't rooting for Stanford while I watched it. It fucking sucked <laughs> to watch the Stanford like supporter because, God, they wanted to lose so badly. They just... They tried so hard. They kept trying to give Arkansas the game, and Arkansas wouldn't take it. Somehow, uh, who hit the mat? somebody? I can't remember who. Wild buzzer beater to tie the game, send it to overtime, <laughs> and then of course the beginning of overtime, it was just very clear. Okay, Arkansas is better. They're not gonna. Stanford's not gonna do anything. It was so frustrating to watch. Like at that game made me decide i can't i can't ever believe in stanford for anything again it's just it hurts too much um stanford had a 90.8
0: percent win probability with 35 seconds to go in this game when they were up four
1: it was it was it was a nightmare it was a nightmare
0: <laughs> crazy stuff um, you know, this these losses would be encouraging if they like went and took care of business against Northern Iowa and I get that it was their <laughs> third game in 3 days, but that was true it's, for Northern Iowa too. It's Northern um, Iowa. Yeah, that was that was bad. Where uh, is Northern
1: Iowa? The Hoss has yeah. to get fired after this. He can't keep getting away with this. Uh, you say that,
0: you say that, but I just I feel like I've said that for many years at this point. So yeah brutal brutal stuff from stanford god jared haas is a train wreck yeah Absolute how is he still there yeah it's, yeah it's true for every stanford coach it feels like uh, moving on here cal also had a rough week though somewhat understandable they lost to reeds Tulane green wave on wednesday and then fell to san diego state on saturday in overtime meanwhile asu split its two games at the vegas showdown getting its ass kicked by by Poo, and then beating a reeling reeling vanderbilt basketball team with uh Head coach Jerry Stackhouse on the hot seat.
1: Moving over to the women's side here. one second before we move on. I do want to just mention something from that disgusting ASU-BYU game. (laughs) At the end of the game, a BYU player punched an ASU player in the face. Resulting. Wow, I did not hear this. I,
0: I was clearly, I was way out of the country. My goodness. It was
1: very was late at night. But oh, I, I can't remember the name. Let me go to Arizona's roster to see if I can remember which one of them it was. But they get tied up, the BYU player and the ASU player, at the end of the game. And uh, let's see. Oh, I do remember this. I do remember hearing about this. I think it was Akil Watson. But uh, Atiki Ali. Atiki? Oh, no, that, yeah, that's who it he... was. It was it was him. Yeah, and the BYU player, as he's getting up, just hits him in the fucking face. Dirty-ass team Jesus. BYU. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, dirty-ass team BYU. Uh, I don't know how that their entire bench didn't get techs because they cleared, but whatever. Or oh, did they? Yeah.
0: That, that typically means they're all ejected. Yeah, I, um, I,
1: I think it was just the end of the game and the ref didn't want to fucking they, deal with it. but let it go. But,
0: yeah fascinating crazy stuff how they get away with that well good to know arizona state also imploding i guess uh cal i already said cal uh moving over to the women's side Pac-12 women's hoops has gone mostly chalk with the exception of a tough colorado loss to nc state on saturday that buffs got blown out 78 to 60 ucla they had a top 15 win over yukon though yukon was marred by some injuries during that one Five Pack 12 Hoops teams now are uh, undefeated, and five are in the AP top 25. UCLA is at number two, Stanford at three, USC at six, Colorado at seven, Utah at 12. Um, One noteworthy set of performances, though, worth talking about, has been from Juju Watkins, the true freshman at USC. She's been a fucking atom bomb. Like, I am not exaggerating here. She's like, she's much must watch TV right now. Uh, Like I have never seen a basketball player dominate the way that she is at this moment. And she's only 18 years old. Like she's a true freshman, like a a straight out of high school. Uh, Over the past week, she's put up back to back 30 point games with pretty absurd efficiency. Uh, On the season, she's averaging in her first seven games as a college player, 27 points per game off a 50% shooting 48% from three to go along with seven and a half rebounds, three assists, she's unfucking believable I'm not being hyperbolic I know I sometimes I do that this has to be one of the greatest stretches from any true freshman in basketball history like this is ridiculous um, USC has passed now a couple of really really big key tests with her leading the way um, she and the Trojans are gonna get a few cupcakes over the next month or so but on December 30th USC goes to poly Pavilion to play the current number two UCLA which looks like a really dominant buzzsaw right now that's going to be must-watch television. It's going to be a wild game. Um, I might I might actually try to make it over to Polly Pavilion. I don't love going to L.A. for basketball games, but I might actually do it for this one. Um, I'm not sure if y'all have been keeping up with this Juju Watkins
1: story, but it's been unbelievable. She's been a fucking flamethrower. She's got to be, like, the best USC bas- uh, USC basketball player period since Cheryl Miller. Like, just insane numbers. I can't believe she's doing it. The highlights look great. I can't wait for March. When like the rest of the country starts watching women's basketball again, and yeah. they fall in love with her like they did with Caitlin Clark last year, and something else to remember with women's basketball—correct me if I'm wrong—they stay for three years before going to the WNBA, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So USC has her three it's years. Kind of an God, absurd rule. She's gonna break so many records. It
0: feels <laughs> like she could play. I don't know. I I don't really know what the step is. Step up from the uh, from women's NCAA basketball to the WNBA. But when you're doing this in college in your first six games, it feels like you're not that far off from being a professional level athlete. Um, I, 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 a couple of insane stats here. First of all, uh, Juju Watkins had her fourth 30th point performance of the season last night, passing Lisa Leslie for the most 30 point games by a USC freshman it's game seven right now um we haven't even we're not even we're like barely halfway through non-conference play and then another crazy one this is this is a wild one this is strange i'm not sure if y'all saw saw this juju this is from opta stats juju watkins uh in her first six career games for usc wins basketball 161 points 45 rebounds 19 assists 14 steals eight blocks six wins in the last 20 years, only one other NBA, WNBA, Division I men's or women's player has reached all of those numbers over any six-game span. And it's LeBron James. <laughs> Crazy shit right now from I, Juju Watkins. A
2: Juju going nuclear for a USC Sports team. I sh- I do not have I do not have more flashbacks right now.
0: <laughs> this juju might a- might actually be way better, which is crazy because that juju was ridiculous. <laughs> also um, off
2: topic, but Henry Kissinger died, and I feel like we should all really no
1: Cheers shit. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. Man. Oh. God. I feel like people have been waiting on that one for a long yeah. time. Oh yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Feels like every year I'm like. Did it happen? Is he actually gonna do it? Okay, cool. Well, piss. go read all the go read all of the uh, go read all the, the stuff that's going out about Henry. Kintr- truly, truly evil person. Uh, a really sick, disgusting individual. Um. Anyway, I guess that's how we're ending that. Um, anyway, go watch Juju Watkins. Uh, we're not gonna again. Probably no like musty games other than just to watch her dominate. But December thirtieth. We got we gotta do something that's a that's an absurd that's yeah. an absurd game coming up so all right a uh, couple games here that i think probably worth paying attention to for us uh let's see i didn't i didn't write them down i didn't prepare well here uh obviously we've got colorado state playing colorado uh we will be at another big game on saturday gonzaga usc another big prove it opportunity for usc gonzaga already took care of ucla can usc fare any better that's on saturday uh and then on um i i think that's all i had i think those that that's the only notable game i guess if you're i guess washington colorado state actually could be intriguing now if we think washington is an is an interesting basketball club i guess we'll find out um on the women's side this is horrible content that i'm just scrolling through <laughs> to see if there's any good games on here <laughs> there's not
2: there's so much better than every fucking
0: team yeah they really are i guess it, maybe arizona unlv on the women's
1: side byu utah's byu any good byu women's hoops i heard that they have a player who is averaging like 14 points per game was pretty good who almost came to utah okay, uh,
0: okay. and that's all i know Okay, well, they play – Utah and BYU play on Saturday as well. Um, other than that, maybe, like, UCLA-Arkansas. UCLA will probably be a big favorites in that one. So, you know, I guess keep your eye on that. But, yeah, we're gonna we're really dearth for games here. I'm, I'm itching to get to non, to the conference play. we got to do something about the non-conference. Like, I – so here's the thing non-conference is brutal but it's also like i don't want a situation where like only the big brands play one another like i would hate that because that's what we're going with with conference realignment but it does feel like with basketball both men's and women's you get a lot of really poopy non-conference games like i know that there's some great women's teams out Mm. there but i think i you know they're not playing each other yet you know you get a couple here and there um so i don't know we'll see maybe we'll get some good games uh later on any any games y'all are looking forward to are y'all excited for usc gonzaga we're gonna catch that one in person
2: oh yeah i keep forgetting we're gonna be there yeah i I haven't been to a basketball game in so long i'm so excited that's so soon
1: i didn't even realize it oh this is gonna be fun in three days yeah (laughs) Yeah, three days crazy stuff
0: all right well that's it that's all we had thank you all for tuning in thank you all for listening remember we'll be back here sunday at 9 a.m pacific to recap week uh week <laughs> recap the pac 12 championship 14? game the final ever pac 12 football game that one's actually the real last pac 12 football game so we'll recap that uh we'll be talking about that game i think we'll be at that game i know we'll be at that game i don't <laughs> want to advertise it that widely don't want a uh, piss bag surrounded on us uh and then we're gonna be back here again next wednesday at 5 p.m Pacific uh to talk about more pac 12 basketball but for now that's joy fatone I'm Justin Timberlake. That's Avery at Brave Grapes. Thank you for subscribing on U- uh, to our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, there are no truck stops here.
1: Not even
2: one. I'm than a single on a quiet city street.
1: Things aren't always green. Side of the street. Now
2: don't mind if the sun don't shine. Bloody well, those suits so we find fine. on the best wine.